Love Talk Radio. I love it. All power is to oppress people, African power to an African people, and black power. It's your brother and chairman, Yang and Krumah, coming to you again with the People's Black Panther Party Independent Black Radio, an opportunity for you to express your comments, your opinions, your concerns, ask questions, or whatever you, whatever you have or whatever on your mind. Listen, tonight is a great show, and I'm excited about it. So what happened was a comrade of mine had made a post, and uh, it's starting to get a little bit of it started getting a little bit of acclaim and, and, and a little viewership, and it's called nigger mess in the movement or in the revolution, nigger mess. And he was on uh, Monday. He was on our program Monday, and he spoke a little bit about it. But time wouldn't allow him to really go into detail like I would have liked him to. So we invited him back to come on tonight and talk about it. So we're expecting him around the nine o'clock hour to come on and elaborate on it. But until then, in the meantime, in between time, this gives you and I an opportunity to really chop up uh, and, and talk about this topic, this conversation, nigger mess in the movement, nigger mess in the movement. What is nigger mess? I mean, I have my opinion of it. I have my take on it, on what I see nigger mess to be. But what's your opinion and, and your take? I think for me, when we look at nigger mess and talk about this nigger mess coming in the movement, I think a lot of it for me, have to, you have to ask yourself, what is a nigger? And where did a nigger come from? What defies a nigger? We know that there's no such place as nigger land. So that niggers can't be an uh, ethnicity or a race of people that are natural to the planet Earth. A nigger, in my opinion, of course, is made. A nigger is a phenomena. A nigger is bred out of this so-called American experience that started in the uh, black in the African Holocaust, also known as the Maafa, the transatlantic slave trade. This is the birth and the beginning of making a nigger. Because a nigga had to be subjugated. A nigga had to be controlled. And you can't control a intelligent black man or black woman. A black man or a black woman of free will. You can't control them. So you had to create this thing called a, a nigger. We're going to pronounce it the right way, as these white folks would say, a nigger. You had to make a nigger to be able to be controlled. And niggers are made from, I mean, a lot of us are familiar with the Willie Lynch. Uh, doctrine. So, you know, in some of the Willie Lynch doctrine, it talks about how you make a nigger. One of the things is you take a nigger, you take a black man or an African out of their natural habitat. Now, when we talk about natural habitat, we're not just talking about the land of Africa, but we're talking about the right, the mind state of the black man and the black woman. You take the ability for the black man, once you take his physical ability to protect his woman and child, you start to diminish or lower his self-esteem and their self-worth. And then, like anything, naturally, to deal with this physical malady, to deal with this physical uh, inability, the lack of the ability to protect the child, the mind starts to adapt to that and starts to not only make excuses, but starts to make you behave in a certain manner that accepts this impotence, this impotency, this this impotent behavior of protecting your women. You see, this is what this is what happens. 
So then we start to make excuses since we can't protect our women and do right. We start to make this man, fuck that bitch, man. I don't care nothing about no hoe. I don't, I don't give a damn. You really do. You really do. You're just trying to compensate for your lack of manhood because throughout history, and we see this in the Willie Lynch letter, we have seen what happens to men who have stood up against um, injustices and, and, the, and the depraved behavior and the debauchery and the barbarity and the sickness that has been perpetrated against our women. And our women, to compensate for brothers stepping up to the lack of manhood, have to start to take on a more masculine role. You see, they have to start taking on, take up a more masculine role. They have to be, I'm my baby, mom and daddy. I don't need no nigga for shit. I don't, you really do. You really do. But you're compensating for this void in nature that has been created. And then when this void of nature been created, look how we end up going against one another because now you, the brother is talking about he don't care about no woman. The woman is talking about she don't need no man. But in order, then he's offended, and in order to exert his manhood, he starts to oppress his woman, either physically, or we start to take on misogynistic behavior. We start to become uh, uh, whoremongers, sexually exploiting our women, not having any breaks. You see, so all of this is, so I can see why some people would say how nigger mess comes into the movement. And instead of us addressing these issues realistically and hearing people when they come to address these issues, we have the audacity. We actually have the nerve to get offended and to shut the brothers and sisters off that want to express why or to tell their opinions on why we're like this in society. And believe me, you. Most of the time, if you listen, you will find these brothers and sisters to be very accurate in their understanding of how we got into this point, why we behave like we behave, why we perceive the, the, the things the way we perceive things, because you will find these brothers and sisters being the ones in the streets, in the trenches, among the masses of people. So you you have to listen. Let's go back to talk about this this nigger mess. And then there's a the thing, then it's a double-edged sword. You know, what are we defying as nigger mess? And from whose perspective are we looking at nigger mess? You know, I'm not saying that uh, the People's Black Panther Party advocates any type of drug dealing. We don't advocate it. We don't promote it. We don't encourage it. We don't sponsor it. We understand that part of the 10-point platform is we want to end the chemical warfare targeted against our community. But we're also very realistic. We understand that we don't have the planes and boats that bring it over here. We understand the economic social conditions that create a market for this type of activity and behavior. The lack of the poverty that inspires our young men and women to sell drugs and the social, cultural conditions that uh, encourage, I don't want to say encourage, but makes it easier for our people to self-medicate and to use drugs. So it's this symbiotic type of shit going on, this symbiotic thing going on. Well, one is dependent on the other. 
So when we say nigger mess, how are we looking at that? Are we looking at the things that create that and then the downtrodden or the have-nots have taken this word nigger and have flipped it, have taken the sting out of it? At one point in time, they told me nigger meant an ignorant person. And then I heard my man Tupac Shakur say we're never ignorant, getting goals accomplished, which is a model that we have taken on in Atlanta. They're never ignorant, getting goals accomplished. So we don't ridicule and ostracize and criticize our brothers and sisters, especially our young people, about the language or the terminology we use to express certain feelings and emotions. So then we have to ask ourselves, what is this? You know, what do you define as nigger mess? You know, but it is, but we do have it that comes into the, we do have it come into the party because a lot of us don't do the political education. And when I say politics, brothers and sisters, those brothers and sisters that know me, the comrades that know me, know I'm speaking of revolutionary politics. Revolutionary politics. I'm not talking about reformist politics. I'm not talking about getting in there and voting for so-and-so, so-and-so, so that we can have, we can have a bill to drink out of uh, white, white water fountains or we can, you know, use white bathrooms. I could give a damn. I'll never have to drink after one of them. Never, ever, ever. But I'm talking about the politics that affect our everyday living, that affects the way that we view one another, the way that we conduct ourselves the way that we interact, the way that we uh, deal and handle transactions with one another when it comes to money and other things of value. This is the politics that I'm referring to. These are politics that I'm speaking of. Fred Hamp Sr., Chairman Fred Hamp Sr. out of Chicago, Illinois, uh, said that everything is politics and politics is everything, even with that being said, even the interaction with one another is, is a form of politicking. You know, that used to be an old hustler saying back in the day, let's politic. Let's politic, my brother. You see, so, what is, so when we talk about these uh, politics and look at the politics of things and, 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 and the politics and the conditions that we live in, we start to understand how nigger mess can creep into our movements. This is how nigger mess creeps into our movements like this because you have from these, when we start to look at the politics and us not knowing politics, we have really taken on the characteristics of our oppressor. There's no way around. We have taken on the characteristics of our oppressors. I was listening to a show one evening. And on the show, the gentleman said, you know, he, I, I speak proper English. I speak like this, and they think that I'm white. I mean, almost it was almost as if he wanted a pat on the back, as if he wanted some type of uh, award or something. You see what I'm saying? He says because he speaks because he speaks like this. And not understanding, like I said before in one of our shows, not, under, not understanding that to even be speaking English as a descendant, as an African descendant, as an African person, is, it, is, is, an, is, is, is abnormal. It's not natural. So to brag on speaking so-called proper English is even more 
abnormal. It's even more sickening. So then we take on this, we have this Eurocentric understanding because we've taken on Eurocentric politics. And you see this creeping to our organizations. So now when we say king or queen, my queen, my king, we're not thinking of king and queen from an African perspective, from the way queens were in Africa, from the way kings behaved in Africa, but we're thinking from a Eurocentric perspective from a white person, and we start to run our organizations like that, and our organizations become cultish. They become very Jim Jones-ish. You know Jim Jones. Drink the Kool-Aid, Jim Jones. Our organizations start to take on these characteristics because the leadership has not been revolutionized. You see, the revolutionary must be revolutionized like the Muslim must take his shahada, the kalimat al-tawheed, bearing witness to the oneness of Allah and Muhammad as a messenger, to be a Muslim. The Christian must be baptized, at the very least acknowledge the blood of Christ, that the uh, Christ is their savior, to be a Christian. The revolutionary must be revolutionized, must let go of certain concepts and precepts, certain perceptions, certain mannerisms, certain morals and certain ethics to evolve into a revolutionary type. It's not enough just to put on a Black Panther button and think overnight, miraculously, you're transformed. Or to read a couple books on Egypt, a few books on Africa, so you know what they called Africa. They called Africa Kibalan. So you know that. That's great. It's wonderful. So it's a nice tidbit of information. But it's not enough to deal with the hundreds of years of subjugation to oppression, to barbarity and depraved behavior, and to deal with our adaptation to it, the way that we've taken it on. And you can see it in our mannerism. So now you find this nigga mask, like I said, creeping into our movements, creeping into our organizations. And so we use the same tactics that they begin to use. That's nigga mess for me. I don't know, you know, and, and, and there again, this is People's Black Panther Party Radio, independent black talk radio. It's for the people. You can chime in, press one if you'd like to contribute, questions, comments, or concerns, or just to rap with us. This is a forum for all of us, and we love to hear from you. Um, but this, to me, is my nigga mess watching the neocolonialism, watching the, these Africans who have taken on Eurocentric mindsets, white people mindsets, and come into so-called black movements and black revolutions and use the same tactics that white people use. A revolution cannot be won by fear. We can't use fear tactics. A revolutionary is proactive, not reactive. We quick when a brother gets shot down in the community or a sister gets shot down in the community, you find every Negro and their mama with a picket sign and marching. Black lives matter. Enough is enough. Hands up. Don't shoot. Can't breathe. All the cute slogans. 
You'll find us reacting out of our anger and rage, and you'll find these pimps of suffrage and misery coming to exploit that pain and anguish. CNN, Fox News, headline news, anywhere to promote themselves. Pimps of black suffrage and pain, capitalists. They take on this capitalist mindset, and this is what will sell their next book, or this is what will keep them in the media's eye for a moment to get new memberships so that they can get more dues to line their pockets, to fatten their coffers, their treasuries. This is nigger mess to me. Instead of, but where are the, like I said, I'll see the armed protests, the armed reactionaries, but not the armed proactiveness. Where are our patrols in the black community that patrol the police, like the original, what's called the original Panthers did? Not only did QEM go and uh, protest after injustices were committed, they stopped the damn injustices. They said, enough is enough. We'll store police in the police. Where is our police to police? Where are our proactive? So we use tactics of fear. We play on the people's rage and anguish. And this is what this European does. Isn't this how he tried to scare you into voting for Hillary? Then he tried to use fear tactics. He's tried to scare you is what he tried to do. He told you if Trump gets in office, this is going to happen. This is going to, most of you Negroes don't know nothing about Trump. You haven't did any research. You don't know anything about the man. Don't even know the cabinet the man's bringing into office. Fear tactics. We have to be careful not to allow people to play on our fear tactics. To, to try to scare us. This, to me, is nigger mess. The other way that is nigger mess is when you talk about um, this white man's attitude. We must understand that this European historically and traditionally has not liked his women. He despises his woman. He despises his woman so much that he's written her out of his own religion. He gives you the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. And this is not a slander or a slight to Christianity. At the People's Black Panther Party, we believe in liberation theology. We're accepting of all people, of all faiths, as long as that faith is empowering and, and, and a faith of liberation and advancement for people of African descent. I don't care what you are. I have some friends that uh, go to the Shrine of the Black Madonna. They call themselves black Christian nationalists. I, I haven't figured it out, but that's what they call themselves. But in his religion, he has written out the woman, the father, the son, the Holy Ghost. He doesn't give the, uh, the, 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 the father a wife. He doesn't give the son a mother. And we understand in traditional African understanding we have a divine masculine and a divine feminine. We understand the principles of Mayat. You see, this is from the African way. So, And when you do this, when you understand that there is a divine feminine, a divine motherhood in ATR, African traditional religions, then you start to have a reverence for the womb that bore you. You start to have a respect for the sacredness of our women. 
we start to understand our role of our women in our society, not just in our immediate life, but in our society. But without this, when we take this understanding that we have of our black women, this understanding from a European perspective, you see how this nigger message creeps into the black organization that our women are there as playthings and toys to be used at our will and our whims. We exploit our black women. We exploit our black women. Black men, we become very misogynistic. Any people who respect their women don't do to their women what we do to our women. They make whole videos and shows. They got whole channels based on our women shaking their body parts and not in traditional African dance. But the sexual gravitating and moving sex, you know, it's, it's sexually explicit. It's inviting. It's supposed to be enticing. And this does two things. We have to understand why we can't take on European thinking. Because what ends up happening is not only do we decrease the value of our women by this, but then you, you start to create a perverted nature. When your woman is walking around outside naked all the time in a sexual fashion, I'm not talking about like they found us in Africa where the people had a pure mindset, where everything wasn't so carnal, everything wasn't so sexual, that it was a pure love and a pure living amongst these people. But I'm talking about in the manner that our women are, are, are encouraged to dress today. When you constantly see this on the streets, brothers, you develop an immunity to it. Now when your woman is at home naked, you don't get aroused, and you have to bring more perversities to your bedroom. Because the things that should arouse you as a man, the beauty, the sacredness of a beautiful woman in front of you, you've seen it all day in the streets. Now she got to jump off the chandeliers and walk on your back with stilettos and kick you in your face or whatever. European thinking. This is what I talk about when we talk about nigger mess in the, in, in the movement. We talked about the understanding of uh, European, we must there again understand European ethics and morals. One of their morals and one of their ethics is individualism, where ours is communalism. We understand that when we should have the understanding, and this used to be an old hustler trait. If I eat, my boys eat. If one eat, all eat. Now we've taken on the habit of individualism, the custom of individualism. I got mine, got to get yours. Pull yourself up from the bootstraps. Negroes are like crabs in a bucket or crabs in a barrel. And that's been always a, a fascinating saying to me because I, always, I look at it differently. I'm an African communalist. I look at it, they say, when you pull one crab out, the other crabs are trying to pull them back down. I've always thought when you were pulling the crab out, the other crabs were latching on say, take me with you. Let's go together. But if only them crabs knew that that hand pulling them out, that white hand pulling them out was about to put them in a boiling pot, they'd let that crab go. It might be better they pull them, trying to pull them back into the barrel because <laughs> what's outside the barrel is, is not pleasant. 
So we get into this individualism, and when we get into this individualism, then this is the breeding ground for jealousy and envy towards our brothers and sisters because we want that celebrity. We want that acknowledgement. We want that recognition. We want that acclaim without doing any other work. I'm sure that some of you brothers and sisters out there have experienced this, have worked hard at what you do, your craft, your trade, your skill, whatever that may be. For the revolutionary brothers and sisters that have worked hard and serviced the people and have developed a name for themselves, and some Johnny come lately comes along and think they should be where you're at and are fostered by this envy and hatred. And the next thing you know, that's espoused and espoused to such a degree that it starts to hinder the movement. This is nigga mess. You're getting on the phones. You're talking on your instant messages behind the back, and your talk is not a productive talk. Your talk isn't productive. Your talk isn't even a talk of constructive criticism about your brothers and sisters. There's nothing constructive about it. It's destructive. What they had on, who they're sleeping with, what they said, what they posted. And most of you bringing this nigga mess don't even have enough or not even true enough to step to that brother and sister and to try to correct them out of love and compassion. Do you really, do you really want to see freedom for us and advancement for us as a people? That's my question. Do you really want to see that? But my question to you, brothers and sisters, and I see you on the lines is, what is your version of nigga mess, and what can we do about it? How do we uh, solve it? If you like to share, press one. We'll open up your mics, and we'll get your opinions and your takes and your comments. Because this is a real, this is a real subject that needs to be addressed. You know, I don't want to be the only one that has my opinion on the nigga mess. I'm sure that all of us have been affected by it. What are some of the solutions? How do we get to the bottom of it? Because with this nigga mess coming in, this opens the door for Asian provocateurs. It opens the door for that. Now we can't tell the foolish people from paid agents. It's hard to distinguish between the two because both of them are, are, you know, one is paid, at least one is motivated, I won't say at least, but in that agent's not even credit, but to his credit for being intelligent, an intelligent person, they're getting a paycheck. You have some people so consumed and so steeped in nigger mess that they can't help themselves. Despite themselves, they create this conflict and this turmoil, a state of confusion in black organizations and in the movement. And you have people dropping away like flies, running from it. And the word consciousness leaves a bad taste in their mouth. I don't even I don't even tell people I'm from a I'm conscious because conscious simply means awake. So it's cool you're not in the coma anymore, but you're not mobile. You're awake, but you're not active. It's like coming out of the coma, 
and being st- and being bedridden. You're just conscious. You're aware. But without the actions, your awareness is nothing. And for many of the actions that our brothers and sisters have, I doubt, I question their consciousness. I think that conscious community or this word consciousness as it is attached to certain African people, certain black people, should be should, has to be redefined. We should have an aptitude test. We have been our biggest enemies. With nigger mass in the movement, we have been our biggest enemies. We have been our biggest enemies. And some of it, some of it knowingly, some of it willingly, some of it intentionally, and some of it not intentionally. Nickel Mass 2 also includes ignorance, that we support and sponsor the wrong leadership, that we're still waiting on some magic messiah, some single entity, one person to come and rescue us, to give us the answers. Niggas are lazy. Not niggas, not the niggas never ignorant getting goals accomplished. Not what we call real niggas, but niggers are lazy. They, 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 a nigger is dependent. That's why they call them house niggas. Malcolm said when the field nigger tells the house nigger, let's get away from here. House niggas say, where are we going to go? There's no place better than here. What are we going to do? The nigger is dependent. So the nigger doesn't want to work to achieve his or her own freedom and independence. So he does or he or she does bring nigger mess to disrupt that flow towards advancement and towards empowerment and towards liberation and if their freedom, because those words are synonymous to the nigger with work. And the nigger doesn't want to work. He wants someone to come with all the answers, to lead them out like the story of, of, of Moses. They want a great exodus. They want somebody else to part the sea. They want somebody else to lead the way, to tap the rock and make water come forth and all of these things without doing the work themselves. This is what a nigger wants. So what we end up doing through our nigger mess is supporting bad leadership. Bad leadership. Because a true leader, one of a true leader's mission is to create more leaders. I don't know how many people have seen my post. I put the post that strong people don't need strong leaders. They need strong organizations. So they look for this, so they get behind by them being nigger mass and not wanting to do the work themselves and do the study themselves. They go to Facebook, and they don't even read. They just look at the pictures. So they're they're nigger mass, and they see another nigger with a gun, and they love that nigger. That's my nigger. That nigger's going to save us. With his two clips and a machine gun. That's going to be your salvation. Looking for this, not not saying that defense isn't a part of what we're about, but being realistic in our defense, getting away from the sensationalism. That's more nigger mess. We like to be entertained. 
So we look for the entertainer in our organizations. We look for the best costumes, the nicest Facebook pictures. We have been scared to roll up our sleeves and put our hands in the soil and get them dirty and do the work that it's going to take to achieve what we're trying to achieve. The word self-determination frightens us. Self-sufficiency frightens us. It's easier to click a like, to get in our groups, than to run our mouths. And all of this has its purpose to an extent. But remember that the people that we're trying to rescue, and the people that have not even rescued, but the people we're trying to aid and assist, a lot of these brothers and sisters don't have the luxury of a computer to be on this blog talk. I know this message isn't for those brothers and sisters that I'm in the streets of Atlanta attempting to reach. This message is for those people that have the opportunity to tune into this on the Internet, and I'm hoping have the understanding and the intellect to emerge as strong black leaders to help clean up some of this nigger mess that is afflicting us, especially from amongst our young people and our sisters. I'm not going to be one of those brothers that get on here and try to placate or black women, or black queen, black goddess, you're all of those things, but you know you're those things. If you need me to sit here and tell you those things, please don't hold your breath, so I'm going to tell you when the time is right. I mean, you are those things. But we have to stop allowing that to be catchphrases, for that has to stop being sufficient for black men to say. It has to be some show and prove on both sides. It has to be some show and prove on both sides. We have real issues to address. And so we're asking our sisters who have been stepping up to continue to fight and to continue to step up and to aid and assist in this, to take to take on leadership positions not to divide themselves from us, but to work in conjunction with your black man to help guide and mold this thing. And brothers, I'm asking the same thing that we do with our women, not to come in as that we have to be over our women. Our women are subjugated to us, but that we work in conjunction to bring to fruition a new day. This is what I mean by when I say nigger mess in the movement. And like I said, I'm sure that there's other things. I don't know if it's the people are shy because I see the phone line, the people on the phone line say, I don't know if they're shy or maybe my ego is kicking am I, I must be saying something right or not saying the right thing to make people chime in. But I want to hear from you. This is what this is about. I want us to work in, I am an African communalist to my heart. That is my ideology. That's my philosophy. 
That's where I get my principles, my morals, and my ethics from African communalism. So it's important for me to hear from my brothers and sisters, to understand what's going on, to come together in this think tank, this mastermind, this melding and blending of the minds so that we can really get a handle on the problem here and come up with some real solutions. I am so tired of the rhetoric and sensationalism. I'm at my wit's ends with the demagoguery, with the same speech, with the same talk that we've been spitting since 1966. We need solutions, and we need them quick. And we understand that before we can affect the change on the outside world, nationally, let alone internationally, we must address the issues that plague our movements and our organizations. What are they? What are they? Where can we start to either make amends for the offenses that we've given one another? Where can we turn right when we were going left or left when we were going right? How can we lay the crooked straight? This radio program is for you, the people who don't have a voice. You, the people who want to share and express, who want to participate in their own salvation and liberation, who have something to lend. We have to take the nigger mess serious. We have to, I mean, we have to really start, and this is why I say that, that I'm an African communalist, we have to really start taking our movement serious. That if you don't have an ideology or philosophy, meaning if you don't have a belief system, a revolutionary political belief system, mine is African communalism. The big word for it is democratic African socialism. That's just a big-ass word that I use around either when I'm trying to express my point to these Caucasians or these intellectuals at these college campuses or whatever. But it's African communalism, community, common unity. I'm of African descent. There's nothing magical about it or so big about it. It's about the collectiveness of all people of African descent understanding that we constitute a nation within a nation right here. Someone asked me, how can you be a nation without a nationality? But when you look at what nation is defined as, a nation is defined, especially from nationalism, is defined especially from political understanding, people with a common language, culture, belief, ethnicity, or shared experience. If us as black people over here in America don't share the same experience of domestic terrorism, by this country, I don't know what 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 we share. And we have to pull our resources. But nigger mess will have Negroes come in and divide those resources. Nigger mess teaches you to forget. So we go and we support the Al Sharptons forgetting that this Negro wore a wire on black leaders. Nigger mess will have you 
accepting their version of our history, digesting BS from BS leaders. And if you digest the BS from BS leaders, this is what nigga mess would have you doing. If you digest BS from BS leaders, you tend to adapt to and take on the philosophy of BS. And that's never good. We must be innovative. Brand new. New theory. New thought. New practices. Constantly evolving. Constantly changing to adapt to the ever-changing times. And listen to me. Listen to me closely. We are in the Trump regime era. If this thing never got real, real, it got real, real when that man got elected. It showed the sentiment. It showed the disposition. It showed what white America thought of you. This is what it did. This is why they elected him. He was going to clean up the Latino, nigger, homosexual, Muslim problem. And his cabinet reflects that. Nigger mess will have you still so fearful. Nigger mess is, is, nigger mess is retarding. Nickelman, when I say retarding, meaning it, it causes retardation. It stunts your growth. Nickelman will have you so fearful that you're still preparing to survive. All your preparations is for survival. I'm 44 years old. I've been surviving for 44 years. I'm ready to thrive. I'm done surviving. I'm ready for the thriving. Where are the organizations that not only teach survival during the revolutionary transformation process, but teach us thriving afterwards? We don't have our organizations that promise us victory. The People's Black Panther Party promised us victory. When we say freedom of death, we mean that. Freedom is the only outcome. So not only will we teach survival, we will teach thriving, building, edification. That's why my chief of staff has these leadership classes. Because we understand that after the initial survival process, leaders must emerge to rebuild and restructure to help govern a people. Because when you're busy surviving like we do today, you can't plan for the future. How many of us are surviving now from paycheck to paycheck? How are you going to think about 20 years from now when you can't even think about if you're going to have your rent for next month or your life for next month? You've been surviving. White folks got you thinking like them. They're the ones that have to, they know they have to survive. They're the ones that have these survivalist books and survivalist caps in this because they know that their time is limited. And we follow right behind their ass. Don't get me wrong, prepare. Preparation is a must. Preparation is a must. 
but prepare to thrive and not survive. Let the surviving be a transitionary thing for a period of time. What happens after that? See, when you're concentrating on surviving, you're not building the institutions for nation building. Are we training our doctors in these parties, I would ask? See, this is, and we're talking about nigger mess, and all of this is connected. Because like I said earlier, a nigger is dependent. Niggas don't want you to be independent. Why do you think they came after the what they call the original Panthers? Oh, you thought it was because they walked around with shotguns. You, you really thought that. Because they had them badass leather jackets and berets cocked. They looked good. That's why they came after them. That's what you really thought. I was there. I can tell you why they came after my father and many cubs' fathers and parents. Because the Panthers taught self-sufficiency. With that bowl of grits that we received, we also got a healthy dose of a proper identity, a sense of self-worth that we could accomplish anything that we put our mind to. And we didn't have to be dependent on any government aid. They didn't even have government aid before the Panthers. Free breakfast in school came for them trying to undermine the community base of the Panthers. They didn't have that. Sick and cell anemia specifically for us. Safe, seniors against fearful environments, the ambulance program, the bus in the prison program. The Panthers taught us that we could do what we wanted to do, what we put our minds to. They were independent of this capitalist imperialist regime, as you used to call it, this capitalist imperialist government. He was so bad, Huey was so bad, he said, we'll send soldiers to Vietnam, we that bad. This frightened him. He understood the power of politics and the power of, uh, and, 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 and the power of educating and informing the people and teaching the people self-sufficiency. So they had to come at them. The guns, didn't, they wasn't because they walked down the street with guns because a brother was killed or they did these marches. The guns was there to protect the institutions they had built. They said, damn it, we built these institutions, and we'd be damned if you come and shut them down without a fight. Where are our institutions? Nigger mess. We didn't get so caught up in the sensationalism and the entertainment of it all that we love to see. And I'm not mad at us. I love to see it too. Don't get me wrong. I watch all the videos. I love to see them brothers marching, talking that shit. Off the pig. Do this and do that with your registered guns. It's, it's lovely. I love to see it. But after that, it's after you do your videos and do all that, at the bottom of it, you should put for entertainment purposes only. You're going to get a nigga killed. You don't do political, you don't do uh, legal first aid. What are their rights? What do they say to the police? Even providing the inspiration and the motivation for us to have the weapons. Like I said, where are our institutions? 
that need to be defended. They work in conjunction. And we have to be careful of the nigger mass of being so emotionally lopsided that we jump to anything. And I know this radio program is going to offend a lot of people. But maybe it will stir some critical thought. Maybe it will motivate and cause some of our formations to jump into the other aspect of what the Panthers were, of what not just the Panthers, but Black Ram Revolutionary Action Movement, the Black Guard, and uh, all of these movements were about not just the defense aspect, but the self-determinist aspect. Can't do it alone, brothers and sisters. I can't do it alone. I need these minds. I need the energy. I need to see these other mechanisms and departments developed. I need our health issues to be addressed just as vigorously, just as firmly and passionately as our defense issues. Our children suffer from malnutrition. Our young sisters don't even, a lot of them don't even know how to change a baby's diaper. A lot of these brothers don't know how to change baby diapers. We, need, we have health issues. We're our black psychologists. We have mental issues. We need our own real black media, not something that says black entertainment television and is owned by everybody but black people, or not black television that are owned by black capitalists, neocolonialists. We have to get out of this black skin mentality because they have black skin not knowing their philosophy. Why black capitalists, what's the difference between a black capitalist and a white capitalist? Buy black. You get this nigga on your money and he jumps out and he still leaves the neighborhood. Still might be married to Becky. Or live next to her. Or if not, that bourgeoisie elitist classes, they all live in a uh, upper echelon black neighborhood and the, and the community that they're receiving dollars from is still impoverished, disenfranchised, run down. But he had to, he pimped you with the red, black, and green sign in the window and said, buy black. It's not enough. This is nigger mess. The ignorance must cease. Productivity has to take place. And the only way that productivity is going to take place is when we step up and take responsibility for ourselves and our brothers and our sisters, for our lineage, our predecessors, our ancestors, and those that are going to come after us. When we become informed, when we have informed spending, See, nigger mess is not just Negroes are uh, are dependent or lazy, but they're misinformed or ill-informed, that we spend dollars unaccountably. Ask the Jewish community. You will not find anywhere in the Jewish community them spending one cent with anyone that sponsored Nazi Germany during World War II, not a dime. A, not, a nickel or a penny. 
if that company was known to have supported Hitler, the Jew will not spend a dime with them. And they're lucky if they don't boycott them. But this Negro and these so-called conscious Negroes will go buy rims and stereos and things from people that support the atrocities in the Congo. Exploitation in Africa or the Caribbean islands or wherever you find colored people. Because we don't stop to ask ourselves, who does this company sponsor? What are they about? Unaccountable spending. Misinformed spending. That's too much like work, brother. Come on, brother Yanger. I just want a Coca-Cola. You take all of that? Yes. Yes. Why you become the biggest thing to keep this capitalism wheel moving? You don't believe me? How many of y'all know Cheerios? They got the honeybee wrapping. I knew it was done, daughter, when the honeybee, when the Cheerio honeybee bust 16 bars on me about Cheerios. Sucker was rapping about cereal. They cater to you. They targeted you. Now you watch these commercials, they got interracial couples on there. Black men, they squeezing you out the picture everywhere you go. They got the sisters with white boys. They got a banking commercial, got the sister with a white boy, go open a checking account because your credit bad, brother. Shit. You got bad credit, black man. You ain't even in the commercial. They got her going to the white boy, open up a checking account. Savings, bonds, or bonds. What do they call bonds? All of these good things. Let's go to our phone line. Let me see. I don't even have my ring glass. 915-9145. Your mic is open. Uh, good evening, Chairman. Um, this is Kim. Uh, I was on your hey, show evening, earlier Kim. this week. How are you this evening? I'm well. I'm glad you could join us again. Good, good. Um, I have to applaud you again. You've hit on a, a topic that is also very near and dear. Um, I have a you know, a chance to talk to a lot of um, my women comrades. And there's a lot of frustration that I'm hearing to the point where um, to move forward, uh, the feeling is to move forward uh, on our own, um, minus our men, Mm -hmm. um, because... We're not taken seriously. We're not taken as a a viable part in this revolution and uplifting of our people. Um, it's almost like if we come forward, um, we can come forward if we agree to drop our draws in a way. Um, I'm, I'm sorry it it makes it <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. And and it's very interesting. Um, not too long ago I came out of an organization and it was horrible. It was a false organization. Um, I don't mind helping people, but um living off the people, basically a parasite off the off the members of that organization. Uh, when that truth started coming forward, um, 
the the leader likes to strike back and and call people agents and and mm-hmm. you know just spread all kinds of garbage about them and things of that nature and it's interesting because that leader has never done a thing in the community but would mm-hmm. gladly take the credit for anything that the members did um it makes us women um very cautious about even wanting to align ourselves with our men because it always seems to be, I can't say always, but there seems to be um, some hidden agenda, uh, something else that they want. Um, We're not good enough to be leaders. Uh, We're not wise enough to fight. We're not strong enough to fight. And um, I see the memes that we ain't our grandparents and, there's just so much put down, um, and it is a Eurocentric concept. I'm so glad you laid that out because you're absolutely right. That is exactly what how white men treat their women. And they forget the one thing is we're not white. We're black. Mm-hmm. Um, we're strong. We're smart. Um, we can do as much. Um, we're not asking for equality, but... You know, there are things that women can do, men cannot. There are things men can do that women cannot. That respect to that masculine and that feminine energy, as you spoke on earlier on, it's not all masculine. Um, I know I, for one, I kind of prefer to work solo. I kind of prefer to work without the chaos that sometimes our brothers bring. It's just too much. Uh, It makes doing the work in the community and, and, and teaching is too hard because your your voice is, is stifled. Your voice, it sounds great, just, you know, you sit on over there in the corner and, 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 and you know, great idea, but it's ignored. It happens a lot, and mm-hmm. there are some wonderful black women, comrades to be, that really need to be tapped into because they are a fantastic resource that continuously gets overlooked. And it's going to cause the women, like myself, to band together. We're just going to have to go ahead and march forward. It's just I know myself and the others, they don't want to leave, you know, our black men out of it, but we don't have... Okay, I'm, I'm going to be a little crass here, but we don't have the penis to speak mm-hmm. the language, you know, and mm-hmm. that's the problem, you know, and it's it becomes a, 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 a dick-swinging contest, for lack of a better term, and it's like, you know, it, it, it interferes with what we need to do, and mm-hmm. it doesn't, it's not a collective moment, it's not a collective you know, organization, it's, you know, we can use the women, sort of like what white feminism did. They included black women for the numbers, not necessarily that it pertained to us. And it's it's almost like the same thing, you know, and it, it makes it sad because we're supposed to be pulling it together. I grew up in a time where um, black men and black women came together, and mm-hmm. it's like there's a separation, and you're correct. The majority of minorities are us, we, and ours, community-based. The Eurocentric mm-hmm. mindset is me, myself, and I. 
And right it doesn't fit. It doesn't feel good. It, it feels horrible. I grew up with It Takes a Village. Uh, I'm not sure what mm-hmm. they're doing right now, but most of the black women that, you know, I do talk to, they're tired. They're just tired. And what they need repair. Yeah, because mm-hmm. we're trying to build a community. We're trying to find a place. And, you know, we're trying to get our voices heard. We're the ones that keep popping up while I realize that a lot has been pointed at our black men. They forget even more is being pointed at our black women. And it's it's tiring. It's tiring. We're not going to stop. We're going to persevere. But when you start, it, folks sound real great on the outside. But when you get in that organization, um, it's the same old, same old. And so... It's going to take women to build up other women because our black men can't do that right now. Some of our black men can't do that right now. And mm-hmm. it's just sad. It's really, really sad. And it's going to be the death of us if we don't get it together. And and I just, like I said, I, I'm I'm glad you brought this up. I'm sure that people are silent because you're hitting on so many things. I know as mm-hmm. you were talking I was like, I remember that. Yep, I know that. Yep, I know that personally. Yep, I know that professionally. Yep, and I'm just counting it all down. And I'm like, yep, yep, yep. And and it's just, I don't know. We go through. I I would love to be there. It's and 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 prayerfully, that's what will happen. And we go through it. I think that I've been blessed out of an, an advantage a little bit. I can remember being younger. I was young, so I don't remember everything in detail. But when my father went underground. And was eventually incarcerated. My mother started to run the party, and I can remember, not not in a lot of detail, but just I, it, I, it, there's more feelings and vibes than anything. The stress that she that was the feeling that she went through, and trying to get a lot of the people to listen and to really understand that it was, you know, she was just as profound and prolific. And in a lot of instances, my father's going to kill me for this. But I know she had wrote a lot of the speeches, you know, and I can remember them going going over a lot of things together. So she was very instrumental in the direction that the party had taken at that time as being his partner. But coming up in a household that was vehemently anti-sexist is one of my things. You know what I'm saying? I understand how that impedes and hinders the revolution and how that is so – Eurocentric. It's so European that we think mm-hmm. our women have a place. Mm-hmm. That our women have a uh, like a position. When it's like you said, roles. Everyone plays a role. I I like to I always use the, I like to use the automobile as an example. And I ask people, I say, what's the most important part of the automobile? And I get a man. I get so many different answers. The steering wheel, the tire, the engine, but it all boils down to that car would not perform without any of those pieces. You can have an engine and a steering wheel, but with no tires, you're not going anywhere. You can have the tires and the steering wheel, but no engine. It's the same thing and, and throughout the whole car. So all of them play a very significant role in making this vehicle roadworthy and able to travel. Well, I hope that doesn't happen, though, because I can understand how our sisters would feel. I can, I, I really empathize with them on that feeling of we need to stick together and work together, and I think that the women should. 
but be careful not to the uh, exclusion of our black men. Because then we start to, then our women become in danger of emulating European practices, like you said, of that feminist movement, of that whole thing, you don't need a man, or these men are going to browbeat you and beat you down and hold you back. The unfortunate truth is that that is part of one of the tests of our sisters to get us knuckleheads to see the significance and importance. I wouldn't say force your way into moving. You're right. If an organization is not respecting your input, is not respecting what you have to offer to strengthen this organization, I wouldn't waste my time as a man. I wouldn't waste my time there. I probably wouldn't form a group with like-minded people and individuals such as uh, such as myself and think like I think to get some things done. But I would be very crazy. One of the things I can give um, credit to the Queens about is that I, I, I'm fortunate enough to work with Sister Williams and some of the leadership on the Queens. So then it didn't become, because I was concerned about that. I was like, uh-oh, what's this Queen thing? Because us as men who, yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. us as men who aren't sexist, we kind of get it in reverse from the very strong dependence because they have their guards up so much that when you come to them, it's like, oh, what do you want, brother? You know, it's like, oh, man, I'm trying to form a life. So I'm, I'm fortunate enough to see that it wasn't that type of party, but that it was a collective of women saying, hey, we're going to contribute. We want to contribute to the movement. We not want to. We are going to contribute to the movement without the harassment, intimidation, or hindrance and impeding of uh, penis ego. We're going to do the damn right. thing. You know, and, and I appreciate y'all reaching out saying if you're not a brother on that, then we can work together. So the People's Black Panther Party and, and, and the Queens have a working relationship. But I'm like that. I have a minister in California that I work with, and one of the things that I'm trying to work with Sister Minister, I don't know if Sister Minister is still on the line, is to encourage her to really inspire black women to start to work together. In fact, this is the time to put a segue and plug for you, Sister Minister, if you're on the line, that um, one of the things that I have, asked her to do is to get together a revolutionary women's conference that is across any formation. I don't care what formation the sister's in. To come together to form a revolutionary women's conference to write a list of grievances, concerns, and complaints, and to address not just the world but specifically the, 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 the black brothers and me and some other brothers are going to throw a black males conference to address the grievances, you know what I'm saying, across formation lines, because we have to fix our house. Like right. you said, we have to end this nigga mess. We have to fix our house, and we have to provide forms and opportunities for our women to be able to be vocal about their concerns. And as a black man would like the same opportunity from some open-minded sisters to be able to respond in kind. You know, and to address. And and remember, and taking it all in consideration that we are damaged. Right. I wish I could sit here and say I have a halo, Sister Kim, with wings, and I was just the best black man. But not only did I suffer from white supremacy, but I suffered from white male supremacy. So every now and then I might poke my chest out and beat it a little bit like a gorilla, and I have to be brought back home. I have to be brought back to kind of say, hey, brother, that's not very revolutionary. In fact, that's misogynistic. That's that's that macho manoism type shit going on, black man, kind of kind of holding it down. So we can work, we can work, you know, in conjunction. But let me ask you this, since I have you on the line, 
Yes. What would you like to see? What 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 would you like to see, and what do you think some of the solutions are that we can start to foster a good, healthy working relationship with our sisters as a man? Um, I would like to see us all be able to first of all communicate. Um, I don't think both the genders need validity. Both the genders need to have a voice and be heard, and I think that's part. Um, I hear the same uh, cry, so to speak, from both sides. Both sides don't seem to feel that their voices are heard. Uh, they've been shut down by various mechanisms to include one another. So one of the first things is exactly what you're doing here is providing a platform for voices to be heard. And we can't be afraid, you know, to speak up. That's part of that 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 courage piece we need to have. It's we have to understand we can't ask people to do stuff that we're not willing to do ourselves. That's hypocrisy, and it doesn't work. Um, women, we speak. Men speak. I think we need to drop a lot of those um, characteristics that are, are so much placed on women, that we talk too much, we're loud, um, we're disrespectful, we're independent, we don't want to hear anything. That's not true. That might be a female, but that's not a woman. You know, and, and I think there needs to be an understanding, just like, mm. you know, the, the mind. You might want to touch are, on that one for a minute. I'm sorry to cut you off. You might want to, you might want to elaborate on that one for a minute. That was, that was a hot point there. That might be a female, but not a woman. Yo, some real talk now. And just like I look at, you know, it's not a, a male that, you know, that it's not a man that's, that, that causes these issues. These are males. And so mm. I don't think women have an issue with men and men don't have an issue with women. It's when, you got males in, dressed up as men and females dressed up as women. That's where you have the problem. Unfortunately, you don't see that until you're getting knee-deep and getting ready to handle some, some events or, or, or help the community out and, and really do the action. That's when that mask starts to slip, and um, they don't like to be called on their mask. You know, I mean, most people don't like being called out, got it, but pimping of the people is unacceptable. Um, I think we need to come to the table and communicate, put down some realistic expectations, understand that our stereotypes about each other is probably false, uh, and those need to be dealt with. Um, we also need to kind of work on ourselves as individuals before we walk, talk about fixing other people. Because, like you said, we're broke. Some of us are budget. Mm. Um, and, mm. and but we can't always reach that wound to to fix it. We might have to ask a brother or sister to help us. You know, I can't reach this wound. Can you help me? We we have to drop this. Uh, super duper feminine and super duper masculine and have no fear and ask for help. And and that's one thing that I've noticed. It's like we're afraid of one another and that's going to be a problem. I think we need to let people know we're here to help. And at the same token, don't put out there that you can do something uh, and you're going to help 
if you really can't, because that's the right. other problem. Yeah. You know, I, I see a lot of that. Oh, I could do this, I could do that. And when it's time, as my daughter used to say, they disappeared it. You know, you can't find them anywhere. And <laughs> we got to stop doing that. If you can't do it, there is no shame in saying, I can't do this, but is there something else I can do? It doesn't make you any less of a man or any less of a woman because you can't do that particular task, you know. And, and when you start breaking promises to your people, that's another part of the foundation that is destroyed. So I would say solutions would be work on self. If you can't find someone who looks like you that may know a little bit more and help you out honestly, um, don't offer something that you really can't give. Um, be a part of the solution, not part of the problem. Mm. You know, uh, I love I think, it. And I yield. That's that's about it. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I like, I especially like um, when you talk about don't offer help if you are, don't offer to do something that you can't do. That's out of your means. It goes back to what I was speaking about earlier, about the sensationalism about the rhetoric and the demagoguery. I, I I think that a lot of that, and there again it goes back to that Eurocentric mindset, that our whole way that we judge and perceive men, and I'm going to speak from a male's perspective, and I'm glad, I'm going to keep your mic open because you and I are going to get in this dialogue and we're going to exchange. Is that cool, Sister Kim? It's cool. Okay, right on. So, like, so from the male's perspective, I think what I've seen happen coming through my, my little years of life is – our morals and ethics have changed. I can remember when, you know, manhood was defined by a brother coming home. I don't even care if that man worked on the garbage truck or worked at the gas station. He came home, he brought the little kibbles and bits, whatever he could, rubbed the kids on the head. You know, daddy was that stern figure, was that disciplinarian, was that, you know, that was the rock, despite what he did or how he dressed. Now, manhood is defined by your material possessions by what type of car you drive, by what type of uh, uh, clothes you wear. This is what this is how self-worth is, is measured. And so you find this going over into the movement, and a lot of people have to get to, in the sensationalism or the superstardom, and a lot of these leaders will come off like, you know, their organization is 100,000 strong and they can do all of these things and can't do nothing, don't have 20 damn members. Nationwide, I'm one of those. I'm not going to sit in front of people's Black Panther Party. Is this? I'm not going to sit there in front. We are like any other. I'm not going to see any other organization because I don't. But we are a grassroots organization that is not about the um, showboating or the sensationalism. We are about establishing, empowering our people through information to empower themselves. We are a self-determinist movement. We're the type of we're the party that wants to come in and say, hey, you know what? We understand that times are hard. This and that. You getting the food stamps, whatever. That's a real thing in the in the black community. This is how you should budget. Maybe this. Maybe if you try it like this, or yo, you can't. Because I don't know how many of y'all go to the grocery stores after the stamps come out and see these young sisters with all the sugar berries and juju yum yums and goody snack snacks and juicy juice and eat 'em ups and all of that shit and all of this sugar. And then wonder why the school callers say your child got ADD. Mm-hmm. He's full of sugar. 
He got ADD, and little Nero just hype, bouncing off the walls. You'd have fed him a pop tart and a bowl of um, sugar puffs. Then he got to school and ate a cinnamon bun and sweet juice. He balanced sugar. It's only natural. So to teach you, you know, proper nutrition or a better, a better eating habits. You know, this is the type of party that we that we are. But I love what you said about that. That that's and you do find that, and I think that. That is what happens to a lot of our people. And so you get people that come into these movements looking for help that isn't there and end up in the long run, end up getting exploited. So part of the nigga right. is not being truthful. Then here's, 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 you know, here's my thing, too, and this is just asking for the sisters. Is it sometimes, just asking, sister, I mean, if you get up, say, you know, we're rapping. <laughs> That that sisters maybe possibly have bad relationships with brothers and come into the movement and bring that attitude with them. Is that a, yeah. you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and it's interesting too because it seems that being in the movement makes women more sexy, and it's appealing um, yeah. to our men. Uh, and I get it. I understand that. Um, oh, so, yes. Oh, yes. It's nothing like having a sister call you her black king. That is, yo, exactly. especially when you've been a nigga all your life. Yes, it is. Look at that. A sister calling king god, man. Bless you. Head yes. bigger than the house. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, and one thing I, I have noticed, um, even being involved in different organizations, um, we have a tendency to forget that the people within our organization need help too. Um, yes. You can't – my parents used to tell me, if you don't take care of home, how are you going to take care of someone outside the home? That doesn't make any sense. And mm-hmm. so we have people who come to the organizations for difference, um, and they reach out for help. I mean, I've met people who were sleeping in their cars with their children who didn't have meals. And they were ashamed to ask. And that, that weighs very heavy on my heart because if we're in an organization of brothers and sisters, um, they shouldn't, you know, feel embarrassed to ask. But I also understand that not everybody has been exposed to love. Mm. And I think that's also the thing. A lot of people have not been exposed to let me help you, I don't want anything in return. And that's just love. You do it because you can. You do it because you want to. You're not doing it for something in return. And that makes people suspicious, and it makes people fall in love. (laughs) So a lot of our people have been starved for brotherhood, sisterhood, just genuine love because you are a human because you are my brother, because you are my sister. It makes it hard for a woman to help a man because he might fall in love behind that. It makes it Mm. hard for a man to help a woman because she might fall in love with that. And it's, you know, we just, we forgot. We got to start to remember all the things we forgot. And so I I try, I know for me and the other women that I talk to, um, some are business owners, some are organizers, and we have these conversations, and I know for me it makes it kind of hard to reach out a hand 
to a brother because he might fall in love. And I don't, I would never want to pull a rug out, but it's not about that kind of love. It's love because you are my people. You needed help. I happen to have it. Here you go. And but I also realized that can make the heart pitter patter and wake up other body parts, and I got that. So that's that. Mm-hmm. It, it makes it hard. Uh, and no, no pun on that. I shouldn't have even said that, but I'm sorry. But um, it makes it difficult. Let's but it's, it's, it's real, real. Oh. Right? It's yeah. real, real. It it it, it, it 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 does. It it is. I mean. It, I've I've met men and women who have never even had a birthday cake. They've not even had anyone to sing happy birthday to. It kills me, and mm-hmm. and or nobody to stand in there and say, "Go ahead and say it, brother. Go ahead." You know what you say might enlighten someone else. Have that encouragement, and I can understand how they could fall in love behind that. And sometimes that's all they got to cling to because they've never experienced that. And those are, we have to understand that those, there are people who are coming into the movement to look for love, to look for belonging, to look for validation, and they don't know how to work through it. And so that's the other side that makes having these organizations, whoever the leadership is, they need to be cognizant of who's coming in. You may not know what their reasons are, but they need to pay attention to because they could be coming in to belong to and, and to be utilized as a tool, but they can get caught up with that love bug just for someone helping. It's a very innocent help, but they're, they're just not exposed to that. So there's a lot that comes to this. We're going to come across I, a lot of people. Absolutely. I think too, you know, one of the solutions, this is why I'm, you know, one of the things that, in the People's Black Panther Party, and I belong to a, another organization, Sequoia After Society, that it's about building a society. And and one of the things, and I say that to say, you know, it's like when I came up as a Panther, it wasn't the perception of the Panther Party today in a lot of formations is either a black militia, a black security group, people always want you know, call, oh, you the Panthers, they calling me, can you, can y'all Panthers come and do security for our event? You know, even if, even if these, these, these people and I have different ideological beliefs, you know, they need capitalists and everything else and want me to come secure that event, or that we're like the Red Cross, feed the homeless, feed to this, and not, they don't have, when I was coming up, the Panthers had more of a fraternal feel, you know what I'm saying, it was more of a brotherhood and sisterhood. You know, I grew up in a. Um, I grew up. I grew up in a. Uh, in a uh, communal. I grew up in a communal house where there was, you know, a couple families that lived together. So we understood, you know. So we kind of had that thing going on, and in and, and what ends up needs to has to happen, in my opinion, of course, is that not only. Um, do we have to have fraternal activities, communal activities like African communalism? Like I just don't feed in Atlanta. We just don't feed the hungry or feed the homeless. What we'll do is we have targeted areas, communities that we work out of and work in, and we'll have dinners for families. And me as the chairman, I will sit down with them and eat. 
And I know that at least it's once or twice a week these children are receiving the proper nutrition, eating the, the proper food groups, that these families are having a full and complete meal. Because we all come together, even if it's just like to do a potluck thing. Everybody brings what they have. And we come together to practice this communalism. And also what needs to happen is just like what you were talking about, these people that are coming in and they have these psychological issues, that have these emotional issues, that we need sisters such as yourself and brothers that, that have some type of understanding or at least maybe some type of education in the psychological department to have group discussions. To be able to address these issues of, of feeling love, why do you feel love to this extent? You understand that this energy is not that type of energy, that this is what's going on and that's what's going on. This is what I mean by really addressing the needs and the, and the issues of our, of our communities. So group discussions on those are, are really needed because I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. You know, that, 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 that people go through that from men and women. You will help, you know, you will help sisters. And that, you know, they get that perception. All you get these brothers, us brothers get it bad, too, because, you know, if you help the sister or defend the sister, it's, or you trying to get the sister, or you must be trying to get with that sister. Or Negro, take the cape off. Captain, save one. This, this, all of this type of stuff. So all right. of these is like what you're saying, that, that nigger mass and that Eurocentric attitude and thinking. And, and let me throw this out here, Sister Kim. Our lines are open. Chime in. You're welcome to join the discussion that Sister Kim and I have. I'm glad that she, you know, came in bringing some serious insight. We'd love to hear from other brothers out there who may have something to say, some questions for the sister while we have the sister on the line to um, address some of these issues and other sisters. That if you have something that you'd like to say or chime in, feel free. Push one. We'll open your mic and add you to the discussion. This is your radio program. This is Independent Black Talk, and it's all about the people's opinions, concerns, and issues. So, with, so let's go to the. Uh, let me hit the line real quick and say that we got our lines open. Three one two, nine two four zero. Your mic is open. Yeah, it's, it's uh, Chief Kamar. How you doing, brother? What's going on, brother? Chief, Chief Kamar. Yeah, uh, yeah, great discussion, you know. Um, not really enjoying it. I just want to say to my dear sister, you know, we have to be careful that we don't, and I'm not saying she's doing this, but we have to be careful we don't, you know, give reverence to Mr. Willie Lynch. And it's like, uh, you know, the black man this, the black man doing this, the black, or the black woman doing this. We have to understand it. The whole black family is sick through a system of white supremacy. And as the men are not balanced, neither are our sisters, you know. So uh, good black women catch it, and so do good black men. There are a lot of single brothers out here or brothers in the movement who honor their women, respect their women, and then their sisters that take advantage of them and vice versa. So we don't you know, deal with the sickness of the black family and, you know, only focus on one individual. We, you know, we have a, it's, it's a you know, it's a, a self-hatred of ourselves. And as you hear black men getting together, you know, and the chant is we don't love these hoes and, you know, you know, B ain't this or B ain't that. And I get all my brothers, you know, not to talk like that. And although I understand it because that comes from a, a hurt and pain, 
that many men have experienced by, you know, showing a softer side and, and or, or loving a sister and then, you know, that sister schemes on them or take advantage of them. So, you know, they feel hurt. So they, the defense mechanism is to say, you know, we don't love women and, and they, be, they begin to uh, get into female bashing. So we don't deal with the enemy and the enemy is this blonde head hook nose cracker who is the enemy of, of our people. You know, we don't look at him as the enemy and he got us in a condition where we don't, we're not balanced and uh, that we're uh, hurting each other, you know, uh, we're hurting each other and we're, um, you know, it's perpetual emotional, just, you know, hurting each other. And so this is why a womanhood class is needed. This is why a manhood class is needed. This is why African culture is needed to get back to our Africanity. And, and that when the sister chooses a male, you know what I'm saying, she's not just choosing, oh, he cute, or he tall, or he well, we got a six-pack, or, you know, or he drive a nice car, that the family looks into that brother. So we need to build families up so when that brother comes and, on that, and calls on that sister, then he got to deal with that family. You see what I'm saying? And then in Africa... The uh, male's best friend is that sister's advocate, you know. And if 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 he if his best friend sees him going astray, he's out and and you know Shanae walk up and and you know and he hollering at Shanae. He like wait a minute, brother. You, you know, don't you do my sister like that? And in Africa, the female's best friend is his advocate. So if she goes astray, you know she they're not gonna let her going straight by, uh, you know, you can't do that to my brother, you know, and we need to get build that back. We need to build families up, and we build we build families up, then the sicknesses that we see in black men will disperse, and the sicknesses we see in black women will disperse, and we can come together and truly build something, you know. And I just wanted to add that to the you know to the conversation that you know we, you know, African culture. And getting back to our Africanity is the key to us healing, you know, uh, the sick conditions that white supremacy is inflicted on us. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. You that sister? Do you like to uh, address that or anything? Uh, he's he's one hundred percent on point, and um. There is a lot of work that needs to be done, uh, both sides, both genders. We need healing. Like I said, I mean, we're we're broken. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what makes it, I think, very crucial. Um, I think if an organization is formed, there needs to be, um, as you mentioned, a section that's good with social services and behavioral health that can help and address um, our, our people within the movement as well as outside the movement, you know, because you still yeah. have to take care of your own. And I think that's something, that's a part that is not really looked at, not really paid attention to. Um, uh, I did a show earlier this year about domestic violence and child abuse and sexual assault. We've got a lot of things coming our way that we're just not trained in and we're not, we don't realize the impact that it had, you know, on our people in general. Um, and we need to be prepared 
um, just like the original Black Panther Party had, you know, uh, brought in physicians and they brought in uh, other medical doctors and nurses to, to provide, you know, health care to those who couldn't access it. We need to do the same and and have those people, especially the behavioral health piece and who knows community resources and can help our people, you know, heal through even these devastating interpersonal acts. Um, there's a lot that is involved. It's not just standing up a group. There's a lot yeah. we have to deal with. And I just don't think everybody really understands that with these these so called movements that are that are playing around. Um and that's why I choose to align myself with people who know what they're doing. And yeah. um because you're gonna end up hurting somebody. Not you, but they're gonna end up hurting somebody and, and that's what's gonna end up happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. I you know, yeah, I, well, and, you know and, and, go ahead, Chief. No, I just say, well, yeah, sister's right. It's gonna, it's gonna take, it's gonna take uh, us coming together as, as a family, you know, and you know, and uh, us really just, you know, recognize that it's gonna take us having an unconditional love for one another, you know, and and you know, and, and we're scarred, you know, we we're scarred. We have horror stories that we've experienced as black men, you know, and our sisters have horror stories, and we just hurt and we hurting each other you know and and you know and uh and we don't have a a council of elders and the main problem we face as a people is that we we go along to get along and mm-hmm. we see situations that we know are wrong we won't speak up for you know and I, mm-hmm. I just got back from Atlanta I was speaking and you know, I I I pointed out one individual who's he's popular in the community was doing, and and everybody, oh, you shouldn't do this, and they they see it, it's wrong, but people go along. We have to begin to stand up and address issues that's not right. Have a balanced council of elders that will, you know, that you know that can that can uh, address issues and make sure people get you know get justice. You know, sometimes you know as as the as the leader of an organization, um, I, I dealt with issues, not, and I wasn't necessarily fair as I should have been, you know. And so, therefore, when a person feels they don't get justice or they're not heard, or basically you saying, you know, oh man, stop crying, you know, and let's go, let's move forward, you know, it, it, it brings contempt in their mind, and we have to really uh, work towards that, you know. My, my namesake, um, Sanjata, one of the things he was known for. Is that he wasn't above the people, you know, and he he realized that justice applies to all. That was what he was known for. He was known as being a just leader. In fact, when he came back off a of military campaign, he died. You know, he was what they call the massacre or the king. Uh, they were crossing the river, you know, as they were crossing this, this body of water. He let all of the soldiers go, and he went last. And that's how he died because the you know uh, he died because he he wanted them to go before him and he re- realized that as a leader he's a servant not that the people should serve him and I think that's we get that mixed up with European imperialism we say queen or king or we 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 confuse that 
with the way Europeans think of kings and queens. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the concept is completely different, you know. It's completely different. The term mansake is a term for, you know, what, what, what would almost be the equivalent, but it's not the same. A mansake is is the head of a chief's council, but, you know, he has what they call kankorosagi, which is the counselors. He has the elders that counsel him. You know, it's a big difference. And the Masa Muso, you know, is the is the queen. And, you know, there's a balance there. And we have to really focus on, you know, like I say, African culture, uh, that, you know, it, it will stay by lines, you know. And that's the ticket. You know, I, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I think that that's the ticket. Like uh, Chief was saying, man, since Jada was saying, I agree with the elders, but, you know, if you if the elders, if it isn't based on a shared cultural experience, they're just old fools. You know, age doesn't yeah. make one an elder. So I, I, I think uh-huh. one of our biggest our biggest problems, um, in my opinion, of course, is is that shared cultural experience uh, and the morals and ethics, shared morals and ethics, that would act as a moral compass in how we conduct ourselves with our mates. You know, I, you know, right and wrong to me is relative. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's what's right for the European is wrong for the black man. And he would say what's right for us is wrong for him. So right and wrong is relative. We have to have, and this is when we talk about this nigga mess coming in, and what you were saying, Chief, and the sister was saying, is that we have in myself, we have this, we really suffer from neocolonialism. We have really adapted and assimilated this European so much that we behave like him. And I always say this, I use this as an example. If you saw a dog, Behaving like a cat, meowing, climbing a tree, chasing rodents, you would say that is the damnedest thing you've ever seen in your life. Yet we watch people of African descent, we watch African people day in and day out speak English and dress in European uh, and Western clothes and eat European and Western food, and we wonder why we suffer from ill health, ill temperament, psychological disorders why our marriages don't work, why our relationships fall apart, because there is nothing that we're doing that is reflective of us as a people, even the way that we settle our disputes and disagreements with between one another, whether that's brother and brother or brother and sister or sister and sister. We don't even, the way that we go about and judge is not even based on African concepts. Or, or or African philosophy and ideology. We are that off kilter, you know. And then it comes to, like um, we were talking about earlier, getting in this, when we say king and queen, we start to think of, like, these Europeans in this uh, imperialist sense that we become so inflated in our ego and so narcissist that people can't even tell us nothing. You know what I'm saying? When we try to when, when when we try to advise or talk to, we don't want to hear it. Because we have this sense of what's right. America when we talked about I think you said it too, Kim, when we talk about the European standards of individualism. Right. Of I can do me. 
This is this is European, and this is what America is based on. I got my freedom. This is a free country. I do what I want to do. Can't nobody stop me. I say what I want to say. Freedom of speech, freedom of this, freedom of that. And not understanding that the African principle is collectivism and communalism and is a, that we understand we have a responsibility and obligation to be our brothers and sisters keepers. And once this starts to become the norm, then you will find, you won't find um, those brothers and sisters falling, like you said, mistaking uh, help and assistance and aid for love because this is the norm. Like when we were coming up, I mean, that was the norm when I was coming up. If you was over your buddy's house playing and it was dinner time, their mother, their grandmama say, baby, sit down. Go wash your hands, baby. I ain't going to eat. Yes, you're going to eat, child. They wouldn't send you. You were going to eat. You right. spoke to people. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was the norm in our community to be communal. You helped people. They aided and assisted one another. That's what you did. If if my neighbor didn't have um, a husband or whatever, she was an elderly lady, when I cut my grandmother's grass, guess what? I might do four lines that damn day and not get a cent. Get some exactly. iced tea. They give, me, they give me something to drink. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? But I was cutting everybody. Grandmama, now go, go cut me day line next door. I cut three lines. I ain't received not one dime. Got me some lemonade, and iced tea, maybe a cucumber sandwich, tomato sandwich or something. But, mm-hmm. yeah, you didn't get paid. That was just what you did. And as we start, as time evolved and we got away from our African understanding and started to emulate and assimilate this European more, this devil more, our behavior became more mischievous and devilment, full of devilment. Now you can't even address children. You talk to the children, you might have to knock their mom out or their daddy out. Don't talk to my child. I don't care if the child he kicked you, broke a window, whatever. Don't talk to my child like that. Now you're out here arguing with an adult about some mis- some misbehaving their child did. And I've heard adults say, I see a child break a window. You correct the child. I heard the adult. I've even heard adults say, is that your damn window? Honestly. So this is what we've come to. So it's going to be, we understand that it's not going to be something that happens overnight. But this is what our movement, this is why it's called a movement. It's, it's constantly progressing. It's moving. It's, it's movement is an action word. It's a verb. We understand that our organizations and our movements should hunker down and look for the long term. Start looking that we understand that revolution is not an event but a process, knowing that it's going to be work and continuous work. We didn't get to this point overnight. We didn't get to this point overnight. Look at history. You can start seeing the, 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 the progression towards our demise. I mean, you look at, like you said, I mean, when you go back from slavery, you look at the revolts, you would look at all these leaders all the way up to the times that were coming out all around the same time. And Dr. King's time, let's go back just to that era, the Civil Rights era. All in that time, you had Stokely Carmichael, H. Rod Brown, Mikasa Riggs, Malcolm X, Elijah Muhammad, Father Divine. I mean, it just bred a mega Evers. I can go on and on. Then after that, when the Panthers came about, Huey, Matula, Lumumba, Sandata, Bobby, uh, Asada, Elaine, uh, um, um, uh, Angela Davis, Fred Ham, it goes on and it was just producing those type of people. It produced brothers and sisters who were ready to stand up against the oppression and um, 
fight for what was right. And as we advanced and got to this point and, and, and started to emulate and assimilate them in such a manner that we started our leadership, our black leadership, started to diminish. Those people that would stand up for injustice started to diminish. Why? Because we started to assimilate it and the injustices became more convert. The sicknesses and perversities became more underground. It wasn't so blatant. And as they became underground and we changed our morals and ethics, we became more accepting of them. Let me, I think Chief fell off. And then, Akeem, I see you on the line. We're going to get you, brother. It's like the last 14 minutes. I'm going to have to have you back on the show to do it again, but I'm going to open you right up after I open um, up Chief. 312-9240. Chief, that's you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I, you know, I, I just got a text, so, you know, I, I definitely, it's needed. You know, it's, the sister's very articulate, and I'm, I'm going to be uh, asking to help with, uh, I work with the street tribes, you know, and we, we, I'm, I'm looking for somebody to help me with the sisters, you know. But I just, you know, I want to build the uh, Queens of Africa. I like to, you know, uh, ask the, you know, the help of working with these sisters and, and really us learning African culture. But you know, we have to understand. And I was talking to a brother, you know, the other day that we we talk Africa, but we don't want to take the time to. Uh, learn about Africa, and so therefore, we think because we're black or we put on, a, you know, African garb or maybe take on an African name that it makes us African. A lot of it, it it's in our DNA, but you, we, we have an arrogant mentality is that we're going to go to Africa and lead them because we've been here with the white man. So learning our culture, you know, is 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 very essential um, even learning the language because that does something to you and humbling ourselves to be uh, learners. And, of course, as learners, you become teachers as well. And so we teach our brothers in the continent, and they teach us, and we amal- amalgamate uh, the experiences of both worlds and and create, you know, um, I don't know if this is the best term to use, but a new African because, you know, a, an old African was not equipped to deal with this enemy of ours, this white man. You understand what I'm saying? And so, and 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 those of us who understand this Caucasian can help our brothers, you know, uh, relate to that. So we need to, you know, like I say, you know, come together and study the culture, you know, because it's a beautiful culture and and and, uh, and learning. I think, you know, like I say, that that's really going to be a key component. So I mean, I really, you know, we and we need man management classes for these men because men, you just see a lot of brothers that are. I scary, you know, and you know, I say it all the time. We, we, what you chief? We, what you, we, what you, one thousand percent, man. We, we ride, and the moment some trouble come, they be, they be running for the bus stop, trying to catch the bus or the L train to get away from you as quick as possible. So, we have to really build, you know, uh, men to be warriors, kind of for our women, respect our women, protect our women, you know, and then sisters, you know, who really know how to nourish. And and you know nourish uh, themselves, nourish the children, and and nourish that black man because he's a broken black man, sister. And you easily can tear him down because you know he he's just hanging on as a thread in, in a world of white supremacy. He, we have to go out because we haven't built a world for ourselves, 
and beg a cracker for a job. So he got to go on and put his buck dance suit on and buck dance and tap dance and, you know, do the shuffle for the white man all day long. Then come home and, uh, you know, he don't get respect. You know, the dog don't even come when he call him. You know, he get no respect. So and and so you easily could tear him down. But the question is, can you you know, can you build that black man up? And you know, he act a fool. You still, you know, love him and, that, and, and, and vice versa. And and vice and versa. Vice, yeah, yeah, vice versa. Of course. That's what I'm saying. I'm just saying to our women are very, you know, uh, very intelligent and and very you know, and oftentimes they're more advanced than us as men. You know, and we have what we what we should be. We're not what we should be, and and so you know we have to really nourish each other, you know, and 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 cherish each other, you know, and that's that's the thing I, that I'm that I'm you know what I'm saying you know the black man is a is a, is a torn down, beat up uh, black man, and we need our sisters to help get us up, and vice versa. You know? Absolutely. Let me let me bring on let me bring on the brother because we got like five minutes. For the brother to come on, uh, real quick, brother Hakeem. Yeah, I'm here with my brother. Okay, okay. Sorry, mm-hmm. man, brother. That I know you have some other things to do, man. We got like nine minutes. I'm gonna have to invite you back to the program. Maybe Friday. We talking about doing it again Friday. We have our programs Monday, Wednesday, okay. Friday, and, and and invite you back so we can address this topic again and. Have your take on it, but we'll give you a few minutes, brother, to say some things you like to say. Okay, okay. Well, the only really thing that I, you know, really like to talk about it, you know, like the nigga stuff that I've been seeing all over, you know, Facebook with revolutionaries, you know, freedom fighters, you know, just different people that say they're about their own people. But they always seem to me that they quick to fight their own brother, you know, and uh, one thing about, you know, when, when I was in, in the Louisville chapter here in Louisville, you know, we had one thing that we did have that I can actually say, that we did have a strong brotherhood and sisterhood, you know. And, and the reason that was is because, first of all, we, we ate together. We, you know, when brothers didn't have a place to stay, we let them stay in our house. You know, we went on trips together, and we got to know one another. And I never understood this, is how people can say that, you know, uh, I'll work with this person, but I don't like him. How can you work with somebody, you know, this is this, this self, not for ourselves, you know, and I, don't, and I don't give a damn about how many books you read, but a lot of us continue to continue to carry on that nigga mentality, regardless of what, you know, you can see it all in them, you know, soon as something pop off, you know, they ready to go at their brother, you know, shoot their brother, fight their brother, you know, challenging their brother on Facebook. And at the same time, y'all want to say that y'all about the black movement. I mean, what do y'all think the people outside of the box is looking at when they looking at us, you know, when they see us fighting among ourselves? It was one time when uh, I was uh, years ago, it was the brother we was going to do security for Malcolm X's daughter at UofL uh, campus. And the brother challenged me in a fight in front of a bunch of the people that was outside of the organization. And it really hurted me bad because I didn't want to fight my brother, but I can't let him hurt me at the same time. So then people looking at us sideways, I don't want to be a part of this group. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of this, you know, because they see that if we can't get along, then they come in. 
That's so we have to be an right example. Now. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry, brother. Hold no on, bro. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Hold on one second. I'm finished. Hold on one second. I gotta take it. Off. I'm gonna take it off the speaker. That's what it was. Okay. Now, okay. I'm sorry about that. Well, now what I was saying is that is that uh, you know that a lot of our people are watching us 24 hours a day and seeing what we gonna do. You know, there's no reason to get mad when people are not trying to join your organization or your revolutionary group or your Black Panther group when they see, uh, you know, a lot of chaos inside of, you know, the group that you want them to join. So one thing we have to do, you know, people coming in saying they don't read, they're not going to read. You know, I mean, we got to get rid of that slave mentality and that nigger mess that the goddamn, excuse my language, that the goddamn white men have been teaching us for over 400 years. You know, we can, you know, we can read and we can teach, but if we're not living the perfect example of a true revolutionary and a freedom fighter, then, then you know, the white man don't see us as a threat. The white man is sitting back laughing. You know, and then that's how a lot of people get informants in their group because they're not tight enough. You know, if you was tight and the informant came in your group, you should know who he is. And you should be able yeah. to kick him out because everybody in your circle should know him. But that nigga mess right. is what's hurting us. It's hurting us. That's you know, right. it's this cocky attitude, this arrogance. You know, I'm talking about I know more than this person. I know if you know more, then why are people still being shot in the street by each other? Why are our people still being shot by the police department? You know, why are our people being killed all over America if you know so much? Why ain't that knowledge changing this? Why are our brothers in poverty in, in the streets and living on, under, on the sidewalk if you know so much? You know, so let's stop being so arrogant and put away this nigga shit. And let's and let's come together and let's start, you know, studying our history and find out what we was before, you know, we came to this country and start practicing our coach. I'm done, brother. That's right on, brother. And I and I and I'll dad you back on the show so we can discuss on that more. But that's right on, mm-hmm. brother Hakeem. That's brother Hakeem out of out of Louisville, and that's right on. It made some uh good points. We're coming down to our last four minutes of the show and what I like to do, especially for the people who have um, participated is give them opportunity, maybe a minute or so, they can be brief and anything closing that they like to address the listening audience. And we'll start with Sister Kim, who was, since she was one of the first, one of the boldest to jump on here and, and have a discussion with me. Sister Kim, would you like to uh, have any closing words or anything for the listeners? Uh, uh, I just, I, I wanted to just pull ourselves together. Um, and if I can help in any way, shape, or form, uh, I can be reached on Facebook. Um, my Facebook name is KMAC, K-A-Y space M-A-C. Um, I do the social services piece on a regular basis, and if I can help with resources, and um, I'm definitely here to help uh, to the best of my ability. Um, and it's, it's all out of love. I mean, that's the only way I know how to operate. Um, and I just I thank you for having this platform. It is it is badly needed, uh, and it is. I think I'm listening to everything that's being said, and uh, I've learned as well tonight. So I appreciate you as well as all the other brothers that have talked this evening, uh, and I thank you for having me on there. And I yield. Uh, thank you for definitely. I thank you definitely for coming on, and hope that uh, like I said, we're gonna try to do it three nights a week. Want to try to bring the funk, bring the fire, and I hope to have you on again Friday 
at 8. So, look, you know, definitely be looking for you, and I appreciate the input. Chief, Mansa Sanjata, you have about like a minute or so, sir. Would you like to have some closing words? Yeah, I just want to say, uh, you know, thanks for the program. It's good to have dialogue because we need to be debriefed after dealing with, you know, uh, the plantation so much, you know, we need a debriefing. So um, yeah, you can you can reach me. Um, if anybody has any questions, you can reach me at uh, 404-304-7598, 404-304-7598. Uh, I do have Facebook and all that good stuff, but I, I'm old school. I don't even know how to half use that stuff. But I'll say in the uh, Madinka traditions, Anitya, uh, Kambe, Kofi, Nana, Dimba, Kanobakame. I just want to say, I'll screen everybody, uh, and, you know, farewell. And I'll say, I love my black family uh, very much. And the last thing I say is, Dubaba Wuludin, Dubaba Setano. I just say, the white man is a a, a devil, <laughs> and uh, he's a dog, so watch out for him. That's, that's what I said, man, I think. All right, thank you, Dave. And 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 we thank you definitely, Chief. Chief, there again, man, is is my brother. He is the founder and the visionary of San Corey African Society, a cultural movement to bring back right thinking, to get us back to thinking our African self, primarily from the Mandinkin tradition. I myself am member and, and honored to be the national spokesman for San Corey African Society. And in the long term, we are repatching this movement, man, to get us back, not just mentally, but physically back to the place of our origin. I thank everyone who listened in, who called in, who supported the show. Um, we hope that you call in Friday, call in every time that you see us posting in. Your input and your comments and your questions and issues are welcome and invited. We want to provide a platform where all the people have an opportunity to express themselves without ridicule, without having to feel worried about there's no there's no ignorant questions and no ignorant comments on independent black radio, the People's Black Panther Party. It's your boy, your chairman, Yang Nkrumah. Catch you Friday. All powers to oppress people, African power to an African people, and black power. <laughs>